Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Now, it's only February and just over seven months into the IMF program and already it appears government finds itself between the rock and the hard place. It's in a dilemma over whether to satisfy its agreement with the IMF or yield to wishes of Ghanaians. So far, it has come under intense pressure from the TUC and over 100 unions across the country to withdraw the 15% VAT on electricity and others that it promised the IMF in order to secure the $3 billion bailout. President Ekufuado's cabinet has directed Finance Minister Ken Ofoyata to formally engage with the International Monetary Fund to agree on areas for expenditure cuts as government struggles to implement the 15% value-added tax on electricity. There are rumors that government is seeking to abandon the tax measure given the opposition by organized labor Deputy Energy Minister Andrew Japamesa tells Joy News government will also start a dialogue with labor unions to agree on the best way forward. Now, the International Monetary Fund, IMF, has emphasized the importance for Ghana to stay committed to its bailout program to fully realize its benefit. The Britain Woods Institution stressed the need for effective implementation of structural reforms, especially fleeing the disbursement of $600 million, second tranche to the government. The IMF's director of the African Department, Abebe Selassie, stressed the um, necessity for Ghana to adhere strictly to the agreed-upon austerity measures to navigate its way out of the economic crisis. Implemented uh, effectively. Uh, we just went to the board recently uh, with the first program review, uh, following, of course, uh, uh, the policies that the government has uh, been putting in place uh, to address the, you know, huge imbalances uh, Ghana was facing through last year, uh, and of course, creditors signalling that they, uh, official creditors signalling that they. Um, 
will provide debt relief uh, consistent with what uh, Ghana needs. Um, so we just went to the board, uh, I think, um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what I can say is that going forward, it will be really, really important that Ghana continues to implement the program uh, that they have developed uh, as envisaged. Um, that is really uh, critical. Uh, these programs are not, uh, you know, are designed to be implemented over three, four years. Um, uh, and it's really important that, you know, you stick the, the Ghana sticks the course uh, and sees program being implemented over the next uh, three years. So we look forward to continuing to support Ghana uh, consistent with uh, program implementation. Organized Labour, however, insists only a complete withdrawal of the tax policy will stop their intended demonstration. Deputy Secretary General of TUC Joshua Ansar tells your news players from the informal sector will join the demonstration. As I speak to you now, we have not received any official communication from the government. Since the rumors broke out, our minds will change and the decision will change if and only if government withdraws unconditionally the imposition of 15% VAT on the electricity bill to the lifeline workers in this very country. Uh, by the 13th of this month, we know for sure that maybe government will have change of mind and actually write officially to actually change his decision so that Labour can also change the decision. Because the consequences of this intended nationwide strike action is, 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 cannot be underestimated. And government should know that it is not TUC, it is not only organized labor, it is everyone in this very country. And when you say organized labor, it comprises of every worker in this very country, be it public or uh, private, be it uh, informal or formal, market women, taxi drivers, Uber drivers, GPRT, and so on and so forth. So the consequences will be a die to this very country, mm. which all of us will not be happy to see. Okay. So we are still waiting that government should issue a formal letter to draw the imposition of the 50%, but if only it is true that cabinet have met to take that decision. Now, organized labor in the Ashanti region has been meeting in Kumasi to plan ahead of the February 13 demonstration against the government's imposition of VAT on electricity consumption. Despite report of cabinet withdrawing the value-added tax, the Trade Union Congress and other labor unions are planning for the protest in the Ashanti region. The unions met after engaging the regional police command on the planned protest. My colleague Nana Bwache Yara monitored the engagement and has come through with this report. The meeting of the labor groups in the Ashanti region was to deliberate on matters concerning the February 13 protest against the government decision to impose 15% VAT on electricity consumption. Union members clad in red are poised for the protest. Augustine Adongo is the Ashanti Regional Secretary of the Trade Union Congress. We are here to deliberate on our intended demonstration against the 15% increment on electricity consumption. Uh, organized labor at the national level instructed us to meet at the regional level as organized labor to prepare for 13th day of February to demonstrate so that government should withdraw the 15% it imposed on electricity consumption. 
and organized labor is saying that government should unconditionally withdraw the 15 VAT on electricity consumption. Mr. Adongo says the unions, after engaging the police, are looking forward to further deliberations on security. We sent a letter to the regional, the regional commander of police uh, informing uh, the police command in the region about our intended demonstration. The letter right now is with the regional commander and uh, he assured us of calling us to meet and deliberate on it. Let's look at the roots. While highlighting the proposed route for the protest, organized labor says there is no retreat in hitting the street until the government engages them ahead of time. Pass, we will start from a culture center to Kegetia to Edumia, and then finally we will end up at the RCC. Now when the government comes out, to say that they have dropped or they have withdrawn the, 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 the 15% VAT on electricity consumption, then organized labor at the national level will meet and they are the people who instruct us to abandon the, 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 the demonstration. We are ever prepared, even if it is tomorrow, Asante region, we are ready to and back on the demonstration. We are getting ready to pay more on goods and services as government has scheduled to implement 12 taxes this year as part of revenue measures promised by government to the IMF. This is to help the government raise some 12 billion cities with significant components coming from the VAT exemptions removal. Now, here is a report put together by Joy News' uh, research desk on Ghana's revenue mobilization measure for 2024. In a bold move to reshape the energy sector and alleviate debt burdens while ensuring a steady power supply for industries, the government of Ghana has initiated a series of measures, including quarterly tariff increments. In a bid to align with the IMF's revenue mobilization objectives, Ghana unveiled a comprehensive medium-term revenue mobilization strategy in September 2023. This strategic framework focuses on crucial tax policies and revenue administration measures essential for achieving both Ghana's domestic goals and the IMF's program's revenue objectives. Ghana has already taken significant strides towards enhancing revenue generation implementing measures such as quarterly adjustment to electricity tariffs, raising the VAT rate from 12.5% to now 15%, restructuring the e-levy and eliminating the discount on customs benchmark values. Looking ahead to 2024, the government has planned to introduce additional measures encompassing 12 tax reforms and implementation of new tax mechanisms. One of the pivotal strategies involves the removal of selected VAT exemptions amounting to approximately 4.4 billion Ghana cities this year. Additionally, there will be revisions to income-based taxes and a scrutiny of the headline tax rate of the communication services tax. The government of Ghana also aims to expand taxes on gambling revenues 
heightened stamp duty introduce a 5% VAT rate on the rental of commercial premises and unveil new taxes such as the emission tax and the plastic packaging tax. Adding more, the government is set to strengthen the implementation of the vehicle income tax sticker mechanism and embark on a reform of corporate income tax by gradually phasing out tax holidays and exemptions. It is crucial to note that these tax measures are intrinsic to government's independent revenue mobilization strategy and not dictated by the IMF. As Ghana navigates these reforms, stakeholders and citizens alike will closely observe the impact on various sectors and the overall economic trajectory in 2024 and beyond. Isaac Kofiege reporting for Joy News. Well, so Kofi J joins me in studio with more details from the IMF program. Kofi, we understand that all tax handles come in, in three different formats. Yeah. Tell us more. So we have the direct taxes mm -hmm. and indirect taxes, as well as the administrative measures. So all of these three combined and brings our estimate to some 12 billion Ghana cities that government is hoping to rake in this year. So we start with the direct taxes mm -hmm. that government is hoping some of them are already existing taxes, and what government is going to do is that they are going to do what we call the reforms. So, for instance, a tax like the revision and expansion on gambling revenues is already in force. Okay. And last year, the estimate was around 1 billion CDs. So, if you are going to add the expansion, which will give government access to tax uh, other stakeholders like, you know, uh, lotteries, then we are looking around 1.5 billion CDs mm -hmm. this very year. There's also the ex, um, expansion of entities subject to communication service tax. So we are probably going to see the communication service tax, the rate on it being increased. There's also the increase in stamp. Some of these measures have already been, um, you know, uh, announced in the 2024 budget. So total, we are looking at some 1.5 billion CDs from direct taxes mm -hmm. in 2024 this year. Now, if you look at the indirect taxes, which um, this is where the main problem is, because here lies the removal of selected VAT exemptions. Okay. And per our estimation, if you use what government told the IMF in the program, we are looking at some 4.4 billion Ghana cities. If you add all the indirect taxes reforms and new ones in 2024, we are looking at some... 6.5 billion cities. And the last one being the um, you know, administrative measures. That one is also around some 2 billion. So all of these taxes added is what is going to give you that 12 billion in okay. 2024 20, this okay. year. It's very crucial, and governments cannot do away with and it. That, that's what the IMF is warning us to stick strictly to that. Now, away from the economy, let's talk, let's take you to Parliament now, because the minority in Parliament are vowing to fight the EC every step of the way uh, if it pushes through its plans to ditch the indelible ink for the 2024 election. The minority and their mother party, the NDC, say the decision will be a recipe for chaos. Minority leader Dr. K. Salato-Forsen says his side and other well-meaning Ghanaians will not allow the EC to plunge the nation into chaos. Speaker, the announcement by the Electoral Commission that it is doing away with indelible ink from the electoral process must be of great concern to all of us in this chamber. Right Honorable Speaker, this announcement by the Electoral Commission constitutes an attack on the integrity of Ghana's electoral process and poses a great danger.
to our democracy. This electoral commission enjoys taking on wholesome decisions, being disruptive, fancies courting public disaffection, and enjoys being roundly condemned by right-thinking Ghanaians. The use of indelible ink in our electoral process does no harm to the conduct of free and fair elections in the Republic of Ghana. In fact, indelible inks add another layer to the integrity of the elections by ensuring that voters are visibly, transparently, and physically verified in addition to the biometric verification system. Indelible ink has not only become a feature of our elections in the Fourth Republic, but is also a time-tested method of easily identifying persons who have already cast their ballots and therefore helps to easily prevent multiple voting. It also helps in building confidence in the conduct of elections and add to the credibility and integrity of our elections. The fact that biometric verification devices is part of the electoral process is not good enough reason for the Electoral Commission to do away with the indelible ink. This is because, Mr. Speaker, when the biometric verification device fails, indelible ink on the voter's finger provides the surest way to identify a person who has already voted. Mr. Speaker, we will not countenance the elimination of the indelible ink from the electoral process. We will not. And let the Electoral Commission read our lips. We will not. Mr. Speaker, touch wood. We will not allow the electoral process to be done without the electoral without the double ink. Dr. K. Forsen also says they are opposed to the proposed change in the election date from December 7 to November. The general elections on the horizon. The Electoral Commission and those behind it has announced their intention to change the date of this general election from December to November. Let me say it here and now that the NDC Minority Caucus in Parliament will not support any change at this time. We will not support the change of the date from December to November for elections. This is because there are more pertinent and pressing issues that require the immediate attention of the Electoral Commission than a change of date for the general election. As I speak, Mr. Speaker, the Electoral Commission is yet to release the calendar for the 2024 election. The EC must focus on its, all its energy and attention on the provision of the 2024 election calendar than a change of date. Mr. Speaker, if the Electoral Commission decides to embark on a comprehensive and a meaningful reforms after the 2024 elections, in consultation with political parties and other faith-based organizations, Mr. Speaker, we, the NDC minority in Parliament, may reconsider our position. But in the meantime, Mr. Speaker, we stand opposed to the change of the date for elections and all reforms that has been uh, proposed by the Electoral Commission. For now, we will not support the Electoral Commission's decision to change the date for the 2024 general elections. In a very rare show of bipartisanship, the Majority Leader of Sir Chairman Sabonso also urged the EC to backtrack on a decision to ditch the indelible ink. They are signaling not to use indelible ink in the next elections. Mr. Speaker, I raised a matter after the conduct of the disassembly elections, and I agree with my colleague that they may have to revisit the matter, in particular because the database of the Electoral Commission, 
as far as some of us do know, don't talk to one another. The database for the regions talk to themselves. So you cannot vote in, let's say, Swami, and then run to Offense North to vote. You'll be caught because there is synchronized. But they don't go beyond the regions. So it is possible one person to vote in Accra and dash to Bonny to cast his or her vote. <laughs> so, Mr. Speaker, to that extent, to the extent that the database is not talking to, in the various regions, are not talking to themselves, it's important that we, we further guarantee any abuse, preventing any abuse of the system by resorting to the use of indelible ink. Um, in the course of the MPP elections, the indelible ink was applied. What, however, I saw was that the ink that was applied was not fast enough. You could easily rub it. So we are appealing to the Electoral Commission to reintroduce it and also ensure that the ink that they apply is very fast. Now, Parliament has returned with significant changes in terms of how business is conducted in the legislature. The Finance Committee has been split into three separate committees, whilst MPs are now required to recite the National Pledge once a week. The defeat of 28 MPP MPs in their party's primaries was also a subject of talk in the House. Parliamentary Affairs Correspondent Kwekwa Sante has a wrap of happenings in Parliament. After more than a month on break, MPs are back in the House to do business, but there are now significant changes to how business will be done on the floor of the House. Starting from this meeting, MPs will be required to recite the National Pledge once every week. That is at the start of the, of the, of the week, and today, MPs had to recite that pledge. So at the start of every particular sitting, there will be a roll call of MPs. And MPs will be required to stand in their seats and be recognized. That is part of the measures the Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagbin, is taking to ensure that there is maximum attendance in the House. Today, of course, there was some melee, some confusion in terms of how exactly that process will pan out. This is how it all went down on the floor. You indicated that um, when your name is called, through, I mean, when the role is being called and your name is mentioned, we should respond and not stand and wave 
So if you could guide us, do we stand and respond present, Mr. Speaker? If you later come and you sign, you'll be recorded as having been present. But the biggest essence is accounting to the public, which all of us are supposed to. So if at the beginning of the day, Muntaka is called and is not there, what I simply tell as far as the people is that he's perpetual latecomer into the chamber. But with MPs back now to do some really good business, they could not gloss over the important matter of the number of NPP MPs who have been defeated in the just-ended primaries. 28 of them lost their primaries, with about 18 also signaling their intention not to return. That is about 46 NPP MPs that will not be returning to Parliament in 2025, as well as some NDC MPs who also lost their primaries and those who have decided to bow out. The Speaker of Parliament first worded it in terms of how this attrition will affect Parliament. We woke up one Saturday, and by the evening, we had lost 28 MPs through the primaries of the new patriotic party. Earlier last year, we lost 17 MPs through the primaries of the NDC, National Democratic Congress. It's not a good signal for the legislature and for Ghana's democratic development. We also caught up with the NDC Deputy Minority Whip, Ahmed Ibrahim, who spoke about how there was an alleged scheme at the office of the president to oust some NPP MPs. The number that we're going to lose were 30. That was, that was the estimation from my calculation, if you remember. So you could see that the last half house was after them. And we knew once the big house is after you, there's no way you are going to contest. You are going to make it. So clearly you could see that the system was ready to act some of the people out. And I'm not surprised. The number, our estimation, it was 30. We also heard then from the majority leader, Seche Mensa Bonsu, who spoke about political parties and what they must do to their internal rules to ensure that certain MPs, especially those with so much experience, are protected. It is unfortunate to relate that Ghana's parliament now is in the league of only three parliaments in the world which have the highest attrition rates globally. And this is not helping the growth and development of our democracy. I've often made appeals to the two leading political parties in the country, the New Patriotic Party, which is my own party, the National Democratic Congress, to introspect on, on their respective constitutions. So, a number of key changes now in Parliament, for instance, the all-powerful finance committee has been broken down into three, the finance committee, the committee on planning, the committee on the economy, also the appointments committee will still be chaired by the deputy speaker, but of course, they will co-opt members of other committees depending on the work that they are going to be doing. In the coming weeks and in the coming days, we'll be rolling out a series of the changes that are now embodied in the new standing orders of the House. Reporting for joining you, Kweku Asante, Parliament House, Accra. Now, former President John Mahama is putting the ruling government to test by comparing records on economic successes between the New Patriotic Party and the National Democratic Congress. This is in response to the government's claim of inheriting an economic mess from the previous NDC administration. Mr. Mahama spoke at a town hall meeting in Tamale. Nana Yaojima has more in the following report. According to the NDC flag bearer, the debt to GDP which currently hovers around 100%, was left at 57%, with a budget deficit of 6.6%, when the NDC was exiting power. 
the NDC also touts its inflation figures of 15.5% as better compared to that of NPP. Today, the budget deficits, it even went to 15%. It has now started dropping. When we left office, inflation was 15.5%. Inflation under this government went to 54% and is only now dropping. It's about 30%. When we left office, cocoa production was 960,000 metric tons. And we went for syndication loan of $1.8 billion, brought $1.8 billion into this country. Today, cocoa production is under 500,000 tons. And when they went for syndication, they got only $800 million at 8%. We got 1.8 billion at 2%. And so what are you talking about? You can't compare the economy under us. The NDC flag bearer indicated the addition of two more oil fields to increase revenue mobilization. Mr. Mahama says the NPP's mismanagement of the economy has returned the country to do so. When we left office, we gave you two new oil fields. All the work that we did as NDC was with one oil field, the Jubilee field. We worked and brought the Ten field and the Sankofa field into production. And so it made oil revenues triple. When we left office, we had solved Dumso. We bought enough generation. We established ESLA to pay the legacy debt. Today, Dumso is back. You can't pay the independent producers. And all of you know Dumso is back, just that they don't want to announce a timetable. Yesterday when I came to Tamale, the lights were off the whole day. And so, this thing they keep saying, we let, uh, Mahama left a mess, we came and repaired your mess. Before I left office, the IMF said that Ghana's economy was going to grow by 8%. And it grew by 8% and more in 2017. And in 2018, it dropped. When their own policies started kicking in, you look at the uh, uh, GDP growth rate. Meanwhile, the former president says his administration reserved resources for debt servicing. When you came into office, the Kufor Euro bond was left with 270 million to pay. Where did you get that money to pay? Mahama left it in the sinking fund because I knew that debt was coming up. That was visionary, because I knew that if a new government came, I knew that if a new government came, it was going to be difficult to find 270 million at once to pay off the Kofor Euro bond. So we left it in the sinking fund. They came and met it. In October, they just took it and paid the Euro bond. And after that, they didn't put any money in the sinking fund again. That's why when COVID hit, we had no money to, to defend ourselves. I set up the stabilization fund. When COVID hit, they didn't know where to find money. We told them, go and look in the stabilization fund. I left money in there. Went and took 300 million, you know, from the stabilization fund. I set up the Ghana Investment Infrastructure Fund. The Ghana Infrastructure Investment Fund. And I put $270 million seed money in that fund. Today, that's what you are using to build your Agenda 111 hospitals. 
So how can I have left you a mess? For Joy News, Nanaya Ojima, Northern Region. This is still the Joy News Prime. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more to stay. Back from the break. Now, the National the Ghana National Chamber of Pharmacy, together with the Pharmaceutical Importers and Wholesalers Association of Ghana, are agitating over a proposed EI restricting the importation of some 142 pharmaceutical products by the Ministry of Health. The two bodies have expressed concern that such restrictions will inevitably result in drug shortages and a surge in drug prices. The Chamber explains that the Pharmaceutical Manufacturers Association initially submitted a list of 116 products to the Ministry of Health. The Food and Drugs Authority subsequently advised the Ministry on the restriction and recommended only 38 pharmaceutical products for the import ban, citing the unavailability of special laboratories and the capacity of local manufacturers. This list has since been expanded to 142 products without any engagement with major stakeholders. President of the Pharmaceutical Importers and Wholesalers Association, Dr. William Addo, strongly asserts that the Ministry of Health's input ban on 116 pharmaceutical products will have severe repercussions on the health sector. He warns of a looming drug shortage, emphasizing the adverse effects this restriction could have on public health should the restriction be implemented. Somewhere in 2016, one to... EI 181, the importation of about 49 products were restricted for the sole manufacture of local companies. Then about two, three years ago, the local manufacturers applied to Ministry of Health for further additions to the list without any review of the previous 49 products. We asked for the data and no data was provided on that. Whether they did well or not, on the first 49, there was no data on that. This time, they proposed 116 products to be restricted. After going through the list thoroughly, by Food and Drugs Administration, Food and Drugs Authority of Ghana. Unless I forget, Food and Drugs Authority of Ghana is amongst one of the best pharmaceutical and food regulatory agencies in Ghana. In fact, our FDA Ghana it's a WHO GBT. It's a global classification, level three, very, very high. Recommended, recommended the ban of only 38 products. However, as we speak, the proposed EI draft by the MOH seeks to ban 142 products based on which data? No data. The dangers ahead is going to affect you, it's going to affect me, because it can lead to drug shortages, hike in prices, drug security, and it can even collapse our national health insurance, because the drug bill is going to shoot up. 
The Chamber and the Pharmaceutical Importers and Wholesalers Association are calling for a comprehensive review of the import policy to prevent potential disruptions in the availability of essential medications. The finalization of the EI in its current form is suspended immediately for a broader engagement with key stakeholders like parliamentarians, policymakers, service providers, manufacturers, regulators, importers, research centers, practitioners, and Ghanaians for their perspectives and inputs. We are also calling on the minister to adjust the timelines for the restriction of the various classes of the products to make room for critical national interventions prior to their implementation. These include, firstly, the establishment and operation of the functional system for data collection and analysis on the capacity of local manufacturers to meet national needs of medicines restricted under EI 181. Secondly, the establishment of effective support infrastructure like control manufacturing plants in at least three locations in Ghana to significantly reduce the existing barriers to local manufacture. The immediate, we are also calling the minister for the immediate restriction should be for the immediate restriction should only be on the 38 pharmaceutical products recommended by FDA as they are backed by the necessary regulatory support. Well, some residents in part of the northern region have been mourned hikes in activities of highway robbery. According to residents, at least three incidents are recorded monthly, especially on Mondays, which are market days. The issue was the most recorded challenge on the first day of the building Ghana tour of the northern region. Nani Ajima is touring the region with the NDC flag bearer, John Mahama, and for others' report. The building Ghana tour of the NDC aims at collating concerns of the public in drawing a party manifesto for the 2024 general election. In all three towns visited, Yendi, Gushegu, and Mion, residents poured out their frustration at the town hall meetings. Here is a section of the public at Mion. Within every two weeks, we, we do really actually experience armed robbery. Normally we'll be here and then before we realize a car traveling from Tamale to Yeni will be stopped on that particular place. And many a time they are suspecting the people to be flying and robbers. On some market day, they used to stand there or some market like today by getting to 10 to 11. It's when you are following the road, your life is not safe. Traders who visit the area on Mondays are mostly targets of the attack. Already, the overlord of Dagbon, Yana Abukari II, has teamed up with local assembly for a solution. Police checks and patrol on the highway have achieved little results. Former President John Dramani Mahama acknowledged the efforts to address the challenge. Recently, armed robbers have become a menace in Yindi and surrounding areas. I'm informed that you set up a committee, including your assemblymen, to deal with the problem. I can assure you that when NDC comes into office, the insecurity that you are suffering will become a thing of the past. John Mahama gave an assurance to tackle the situation when returned to power. He says the police will be retooled for the purpose. 
the equipment they need so that they can carry the fight back to the armed robbers. Because if there's no peace, there's no safety, there can be no progress. And we cannot let armed robbers take over our society like that. And so when we come, we're going to equip our police officers and our security officers with enough equipment so that they can prevent the armed robbers from disturbing the peace of the area so that we can go about our duties peacefully. As I said, will be joining us prime. Um, we'll take a quick break here and we'll bring you showbiz right after. Stay with us.